Hi, I'm Dan Jung. I'm a picture editor at the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to a Chronicle podcast. Welcome to a special installment of the TV Talk Machine, where today we'll talk with Geraldine Laybourne, one of the most influential women in television and a real pioneer. Periodically, I'll be interviewing the people who run the broadcast networks and cable channels, the power people behind the scenes who are directly responsible for what you watch on television. Geraldine Laybourne may not be a household name, but she's a real icon in the TV industry. Laybourne was program manager at Nickelodeon in 1980, the early undeveloped days of cable television, and rose through the ranks there and was the leading force in turning Nickelodeon into the powerhouse kids and teen channel it is today. Laybourne also launched Nick at Night, one of the most popular cable channels, and Noggin, a preschool-specific channel that set the standards others are now following. Laybourne went on to become vice chairman of MTV Networks and eventually shifted over to Disney ABC for two years. But it was her latest project that is becoming her notable second act, her work in progress, Oxygen Media and the Oxygen Channel, where she's chairwoman and CEO. Laybourne started the channel with Oprah Winfrey in 2000 and has been tinkering with it ever since as she targets younger women. In the last two years, Oxygen has come into its own. Laybourne came into the Chronicle and sat down for a chat on this special TV talk machine. Well, let's start with a little bit of uh, history because, um, I mean, you have a lot of history in the television business. You are one of the I'm most influential. I'm very old. No, no, it has <laughs> nothing to do with age. It has a lot to do with influence. And just for people who are not familiar with your career, and I want to get to that as a secondary question later and why they might not be. But tell me, um, one of your main things when you started out was at Nickelodeon. That was, you spent 16 years there, I believe? Yes, and it, you know, it was a very exciting time. This was the early days of cable, 1980. And honestly, if you told somebody you worked in cable, they looked at you with sad puppy dog eyes like, you poor loser. Uh And, uh, you know, the broadcasters never thought anything would happen in the cable arena. But the truth is, if you had ideas and you had a philosophy and you had a passion, you could make it happen. Right. It was a kind of a great sort of freewheeling time back then. And, I, and people forget because they think 1980 wasn't that long ago. But as far as television oh, and cable, that was... Completely different. Yeah. I mean, when we started Nickelodeon, kids watched Saturday morning television that was basically toy-related programming. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And it right. was made by four animation houses in Los Angeles. And we had this powerful idea. How about we include kids in the process? How about we ask them? And how about we go to independent, creative people who have characters living inside them? And our model was Jim Henson. How do we find the next Jim Henson? Mm -hmm. And we were lucky. Yeah. Well, when you went out there and asked people, you know, Nickelodeon now is is a powerhouse. I mean, it's split into how many sort of interior networks. In fact, uh, Jerry, you you were essentially the one who launched Nick at Night. Nick at Night, Noggin. Right. Yeah. Nick at Night is so taken for granted now. When did you say there's a retro urge here and let's tap into it? Well, the funny thing is in 1984, when I got to run Nickelodeon, we had arts and entertainment rented the back end of Nickelodeon. And we knew that they were going to stop paying us June 1st of 1985. So I kept asking my bosses, what are we going to put at the back end? You know, what are we going to put? Don't worry. We'll figure it out. It's not your problem. You just get Nickelodeon. Good. And right. we had a long way to go because right. my own son hid the Nickelodeon hat in the closet in the early days because he was embarrassed. <laughs> and he would lie and tell people I was a housewife. But 
you know, we had a long way to take Nickelodeon, so I did not concentrate it. Two months before, in April, they said, we have a plan for the back end of Nickelodeon, which is, you're running it, what are you going to put on it? So now we had two months and $1 million to figure it out. And we had put Lassie on in the fall. And I kept getting letters from parents saying, thank you so much for sharing my favorite show when I was a kid with my kids. And somehow, Debbie Bisi, who is our head of programming, and I, just the light bulb went off. And it's like, you know what? If we can just figure out what were parents' favorite shows when they were 10 and bring them back, this is a way to bridge the generations, to give people what they're hungry for, something in prime time to watch with their kids, bring in a new audience of adults, and not turn our back on kids. Right. I mean, that, that, I think the genius of that is that it went both ways. I mean, you didn't have to have kids because you could have grown up and those were your favorite shows and you wanted to watch them. And, you know, there's a nostalgia factor for a lot of those shows because as much as I think a, a good bulk of television now is, is some of it's really good, some of it's great, there's still a perception among a lot of people that it was, it was better in those days. And I think we're always going to have that. And so you, you, you open the door, he had a bigger tent, you, you had people who didn't have to have kids, but... And I think today, even this this part, even with Nickelodeon and uh, and and Noggin and the end and all that, I think there's parents are still saying, you know, I, the only show I can watch is you know American Idol or something with my kids. There's there's that missing on on the networks, but Nick at Night was able to tap into that. We produced a tape. Oxygen produced a tape recently for the National Council on Families and Television, and they asked us to look at family-friendly programming on in prime time. And so we we produced it because we know all the people who go out and talk to kids. And we saw this just hunger for something to watch in prime time. And the one thing they would talk about was Nick at Night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we also did an interesting thing because prior to Nick at Night, reruns were looked down on on television. And they were often bad prints and, you know, kind of late at night. And we said, you know what, we're going to do the museum of television and radio on television, but with a beer and a fridge. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have the best prints. We're going to make this stuff look great. And the other smart thing we did was we had a group of insane on-air promotion people who loved Nick at Night more than life itself. And we didn't supervise them at all. We couldn't. We didn't have any time. And we had a million dollars. That wasn't much. Right. That would never happen So it was – they really – it was the lunatics running the asylum. And the crazy on-air promotion stuff that they came up with was just fabulous. Right. Obviously, that's a successful – the the Nickelodeon brand now is branched out and is sort of – sort of it can't be stopped. And you you went from uh, Nickelodeon, then you went into the – further into the MTV families and you ran – MTV Networks. Well, I was vice chairman mm-hmm. of MTV Networks, but I always was, you know, my base was Nickelodeon, Nick right. at Night, TV Land, Noggin, and, uh, you know, it was great. Yeah, and then you had a two-year stint at Disney ABC. And yes. How was that? That was great. Mm-hmm. It was really expanding for me. Did I mean, I like had were... spent, well, I spent 16 <laughs> years with kids, right. and my own kids had grown up, and um, they're both comedy writers, by the way, mm-hmm. which is, you know... Figures, <laughs> right? Exactly. But I wanted to try something else, and I was heavily recruited to go in. And I tried creating new things: an education channel, ABC News, twenty four hours. And honestly, I just because of the transition of Disney buying ABC, there was a lot going on. There was. And the last mm-hmm. thing they wanted to do was create something new. And I'm not really into 
being a good, well-behaved corporate executive. So for me, I have to build and it was easier to go outside of the big entertainment companies to the private equity markets to raise, I think, probably the largest amount of money that a woman-led operation has raised. In 2000, what we're getting at is you, you started Oxygen Media and the Oxygen Channel, Oxygen Network. And uh, you started that with uh, Oprah and um, Tom, uh, Marcy, Tom and Brian, yeah. Marcy Carsey and uh, Tom Werner and also Karen Mandebach. Is yes. that right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And that was in 2000 and it is still the only all-women network as far as the management, right? It, well, ownership? it's still the only network in the world that's owned and operated by women. Mm-hmm. And it's the first and the only. You know, it's almost like why did I leave – a safe corporate job with lots of perks because I could. And it's exciting to see women owning things. That's obviously at the core of your philosophy. You're very uh, pro-women and you've, and you've done a lot of stuff throughout your career to help women and young women I'm nuts as well. about men too. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> but you had a real huge challenge because you found sort of the key to success. You found what kids wanted and by extension what families wanted. But now we're at the age-old question of what, what, what do women want and how did you try to solve that and how are you in the process of solving that with, with oxygen? Well, anytime you're building a brand, it's a messy process. And it was just as messy at Nickelodeon. There are no quick ways to it. You have to fail. You have to try stuff. You, you know, at first we were way too earnest. Mm-hmm. And we did the same thing with Nickelodeon. Why do we have to do it twice? I don't know because <laughs> it's finding the borders and finding, you know, what does your audience need to hear? The great thing for us with Oxygen is we decided we were going to aim at young women. And we were going to aim at young women because of their economic power, their burgeoning economic power, the fact that the cable operator hadn't really come up with anything that supported that particular audience. They had Lifetime for Older Women, but there was nothing really catering to this group. Right. And sociologically, this group is very different from my generation of women. You know, my generation of women has the chip on the shoulder, the <laughs> woe is me, you know, it's really been hard. You know, I almost always have to say the hard origin story before I can claim success. Right. These young, young women are independent They've got a great sense of humor. Their humor is actually closer to young men than mm-hmm. it is to older women. Right. And they're a different breed. We pick the right target. And now the process of, well, what works and what doesn't work, you know, is a very interesting thing. And we feel an obligation to do responsible programming, but at the same time really meeting our audience where they are and taking them someplace. Right. Oxygen was so much more – it had so much more ink at the beginning. And Nickelodeon cable itself was fledgling and you could do stuff in secret and you had a million dollars, which is you know nothing now. You probably have a million dollars right. in your pocket right now. <laughs> <laughs> so – but – Oxygen no, it, was, was, was much more public. It's hard, if and you to get a choice, should I, can I do it with no light on it or in the full view of the public? Pick no light on right. it. <laughs> right. But we didn't have any choice because we were raising money and we needed a great deal of capital to be able to pull this off. So we really didn't have a choice. We had to be in the public eye. Right. Well, now you're, you're – I think you're coming up on seven, seven years now, right? Is that – or you've hit the seven-year yes. mark? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just past the seven-year yes. mark at, at Oxygen. And there has been some bumps along the way. When you say at the beginning you were too earnest. Well, it was very ambitious. Mm-hmm. When we launched in 2000, we had 100% original programming. Nobody can come out of the box with 100% original programming. And, you know, some of it was, you know, really 
so earnest. Right. We had a daily show called Pure Oxygen. I remember it. And that was brave. Mm-hmm. Two hours daily live show. Right. Crazy. But it was too expensive. We had a full sports agenda, mm-hmm. which I'm terribly proud of and mm-hmm. would love to do. We had an animated show that was called X Chromosome right. with some great stuff in it. Hey, Moni. But it was – everything that we picked was very new and different. It was very revolutionary. It's like there's no animation for women, so mm-hmm. let's do that. There's no regularly scheduled sports for women. Let's do that. It was just too much new at once. Mm-hmm. And we were only in 10 million homes, and it's very hard to build up a big swell of enthusiasm for brand new content yeah. when you're that disparately distributed. But, you know, honestly, in the last 10 years, Oxygen is the only network that's been launched that's gotten above 62 million homes. Right. And we're well, in 72 you're million. In 72 million? Yeah, I knew you had, had sort of got past the 70 million mark. I mean, this is a great story because it's really hard to launch anything on television. It's hard to launch a new cable channel, and I won't bore people with how hard it is to sort of get carriage, which has been one of the big issues for Oxygen. And then recently was one of the big uh, obstacles with San Francisco. Yes, and you know our philosophy is we have no clout. Mm-hmm. We have no leverage. We have to be your favorite. And actually my sales force uh, on the distribution side – there's a survey that's done on sales organizations, and last month we got to be the number one favorite sales organization of all sales organizations for all these people. We have 20 people. These other people have 200. Right. And it's because of our attitude. Mm-hmm. We love our partners. We want to figure out how to help Comcast make a better product for mm-hmm. women. They listen. Right. You know, we create ads and marketing campaigns mm-hmm. to have them reach women in a way that – you know, takes them seriously. I've gone out of my way to tell people, look, you may not know where this is or, you know, you may not watch this regularly or any of these things because some of them are on Sundance Channel. Go find this. And when you find it, it'll be your favorite show. And the feedback I've got from people who did find it was amazing. Well, you know, I've lived my life for my kids' approval. Right. And uh, <laughs> my son, who's a comedy writer, was on Arrested Development. He, favorite his show. favorite show is Campus Ladies. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. You know, I finally I look good in my son's eyes. Yeah, see? After all these years. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, he did well if he was a writer for Arrested Development. No question about that. Now he's a hero in my book. Uh, but, you know, Campus Ladies, it was just, it's like a really simple premise, done really well. And now you just finished your second season, or we're going we're gonna to have a third, aren't we? Well, that's a tough one. Uh oh. Are, are they getting too big? Do they want to, where do they want to go? Lifetime now? You got to smack no, them down. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, they're fantastic. Uh-huh. I tell you, the best people I've ever worked with, Cheryl Hines and Paul Young, just right. awesome, creative people. Mm-hmm. And Cheryl came to us with it after she, she was in one of our first movies, our very first movie, Tale of Two Wives, mm-hmm. and got to like us and know us and brought us the property. And they have just been great. It's been tough to get an audience for. So. Right. You picked up a couple of imports. One of them was Suburban Shootout and the other was Nighty Night. And um, I've talked about those shows in my columns a lot. They're brilliant. They're, un- they're unbelievable. And, uh, you know, you have uh, strong female characters, which I'm sure is right what you were looking for. And I think when those landed on Oxygen, I think that furthered sort of – and it certainly got my interest like, okay, now I, now I really know what they're doing. Well, part of doing Suburban Shootout and Nighty Night was to say to the Hollywood community, we're going to be a place that takes risks. Mm -hmm. We're going to be a place that tries crazy stuff. And we do want big 
female personalities. I mean, Julia Davis, I'm sorry, Nighty Night. Right. Does it get any bigger than that? <laughs> or darker. I mean, she did scare <laughs> us at the second season. And, yeah. you know, we, we probably would have done more had she wanted to do more. But when you have something that's that creator-driven... It's really dependent on her. It's a, it was a very singular vision, and, and uh, for those people who don't know, Nighty Night, which is I think is one is probably one of the darkest things I've ever seen, and it's, it's just audacious from the moment you watch it to the the moment it ends, uh, is being redone on American shores. It's going to be done by Showtime, which I think gives it a chance. Uh, Darren Star. Darren is doing Star it. gives it a chance. Yeah, so we'll see whether he can pull it off. That that one, I just I don't know how he casts it. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know don't you how think he casts it. Be casting? I mean, she truly is a force of nature, right? And uh, Julie awesome. Davis is just yes. unbelievable. And then Suburban Shootout was uh, also on Oxygen. It's more of an ensemble, though. Mm-hmm. I think you know the success of The Office makes me think that this kind of show can actually come over the the pond, right? And HBO is doing the remake, so I would bet that one would be easier to remake. I think so, too. I th- I'm with you on that. I think that that one's got a chance, although... The scripts were brilliant. Yes, the scripts, they were brilliant, and, and I think there's only one season of that, uh, but yeah. the idea is, is fantastic, and I'm wondering if it will translate, though, because I, I love the sort of the at-odds of this the women from Little Stempington in this bucolic village in England... You know, sadly, we don't have any villages that are that, that yeah. bucolic, and we don't have those accents either. <laughs> Maybe so they could be on Nantucket. Right? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, <laughs> Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard. When you roll by in the minivan and you have a uh, uh, automatic weaponry fire between two rival gangs of housewives, it's just. I think there's there's something there, but I think it speaks to that you got you saw that and brought it over uh, and put it on. Now, how how is that kind of content driving what you're doing originally now on Oxygen? Well, uh, first, I should give credit to Debbie BC, our head of programming, who I've who worked with for, Nickelodeon, you know, yeah. <laughs> like we've worked together since 1979. So that's a long time. It is exactly as you describe. It was like it was a moment in time where it said to people, these guys have guts. Mm-hmm. So then people like Cheryl Hines started bringing us shows. And then when we did Campus Ladies, now we're, we're dealing with A-level Hollywood producers. Mm-hmm. John Murray came to us and said, I have this idea. He was the creator of Real World, you know, this very successful MTV series. Mm -hmm. And he came to us with every season on Real World, we have one bad girl. And she never sees herself. She never, ever sees her own behavior. So she just goes on being bad. She never makes friends. She somewhere along in her life. First one in the hot tub, always. Always Uh the first one in the hot tub. (laughs) And nothing ever checks her behavior. Mm. How about we create Bad Girls Club where we find seven really bad girls and put them in a house and see if they see in the mirror their own behavior and will they change? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is compelling television. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we like to say either we're an inspiration or a horrible warning. Right. And I honestly believe that people learn a lot from watching television. They're like... I am never going to be that bad. Right, yeah. It's kind of a relief. Yeah. It's like, you know, we all think we're partly bad. And you look at this, it's like, okay, well, I'm not that bad. Yeah, so it's kind of like the n- nanny 911 it's, thing. It's Don't oddly empowering. Mm-hmm. And we said, let's do it. And this show is our highest rated show on Oxygen. We are following it up immediately with Bad Girls Road Trip. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of these girls were so bad they got kicked out. Right. And some of these girls are actually changing. Mm-hmm. They're actually forming friendships for the first time. So that's kind of interesting. But it is really, you know, it's really getting an audience. Now, one of the things I did see last July when it was at the press tour, and uh, 
when we were blog, everything, I think half the press store was blogging last July. It was the new revolution down there. New, quote unquote. Uh, I think I live blogged the Muay Thai kickboxing. Oh, the God, that's yeah. fabulous. We're picking that up. I know. We're doing just, a series. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, Fight Girls is fantastic because this master – A provocative t- title but very yes, true. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But th- this is about women boxers mm-hmm. and uh, Master Toddy is this great coach and he trains these women. It's in the martial arts. He trains these women to compete with professional Thai boxers who you know have, have this in their culture. And it is about sports. It is about empowerment. It is about changing people's lives. And it's compelling. The other thing that's really wonderful about it is these women are honest about what it feels like and how afraid they are. And I just don't know if you were doing a show on men boxers, whether they'd ever be that honest. It is in its own way. I'm not much of a fan of reality shows, but that was a great show. And that I think what what you're trying to get at is you're trying to put stuff on that – looks at the women's perspective from very different ways. Honestly, we want to get women's programming out of the ghetto. Mm -hmm. You know, they're sort of formulaic looks at what you're supposed to do with women's programming. Right. You know, it's hard on your sleeve. Woe is me. Women in peril. Women in peril. (laughs) I can say that. She can't. I can't say that. that. But, you know, (laughs) but that's not just on Lifetime. That's on network television as well. And the truth is we love men. We have 30% of our audience is men. We are completely happy to have men watching, but we want to have a network that comes from a woman's point of view, and we want to expand what kind of genres we can move into. And we have a big commitment to original programming. You'll see more and more of that. We do original movies. Mm-hmm. Robber Bride, I don't know if you got a chance to see that. I didn't. With Mary Louise Parker. Oh, I, fantastic. One of my from Weeds, right. Fantastic. But so we, that shows you you're pulling in more talent as yes, well. Yes, right. Uh-huh. And it's all kind of a snowball. Mm-hmm. It's like... When we take risks for the creative community, I was interviewed on the Today Show for Campus Ladies, Mm -hmm. and Katie started the interview with, well, isn't Campus Ladies like a combination of sex in the city and desperate housewives? (laughs) And I said, no, Katie. Any any good executive would say, oh, yes, Katie, thank you so much. Two of the most successful shows on television. (laughs) It's just like that. But instead, I get into an argument with her. It's like, no, this is Cheryl Hines' original vision. (laughs) Right. So how did that go? Did you uh, you and Katie have a little square off? We did have a little square off, but nobody got bloody noses. Okay. Well, see, you know, maybe she'll come back for the the fight club. Uh, (laughs) Well, she's not doing that anymore. She's on a different gig. I think she'd like to take me out a couple times, though. I've said some things about her that weren't that nice. But I want to get back to this thing about the channel in itself is in a little bit of an infancy and how hard it is to launch this, that you've been around, uh, just to be laudatory for a second, that you've been around seven years and kind of failed and restarted and found your way and still survived, put you ahead of, you know, put you in sort of the 80th percentile. But this notion of what it is that women want is fascinating because you could say, oh, I know that a lot of women I talked to said, well, I don't really want a network for me. Because you can't define me or you can't put me you know, in a pigeonhole. You can put me in a box. But that's – your philosophy right. is that's we're not trying fo- to do right. that. Right. So it's, it is a challenge. It's, it's much harder to do what we're doing than building a brand for kids mm-hmm. because of that phenomenon. Interestingly, when we started Oxygen, we were going to be the first multi-platform brand. Mm-hmm. If you remember, I, I remember, even yes. used the C word, convergence. <laughs> yes, convergence. And Maybe S word, S synergy. But yes, <laughs> no, uh-huh. I did not ever say S word. Because <laughs> you had left but, NBC, or right, ABC I had, by that no, time. No, no, yes, I knew uh-huh. about the S word. Right, no, uh-huh. That was not for me. <laughs> but honestly, 
for us to be an important brand to young women, we have to be on multi-platforms. So we're going back into the internet. We're doing the bold thing of actually building software tools, playful and purposeful tools for young women that we think will be really fun in their lives. Mm -hmm. And we have to be relevant to them on all platforms, cell phones, internet, television. And at this point, we have the good fortune of having built a brand and young women get our brand. They get that it's funny. Mm -hmm. They get that it's bold. They get that it's a place where women don't have to shrink to fit, where we're Mm -hmm. we're trying to expand the box. Mm -hmm. And when we go out and talk, and by the way, we talk to 200 focus groups of women a year. So we talk to a lot of women and face-to-face. And we actually, we, Debbie BC mostly, go to those focus groups and see the women. We don't just read research reports. That's the process. Mm -hmm. It's it's a messy process. We're going to be on multi-platforms. We're going to not just take our television shows and put them on Mm -hmm. the internet. When we've gone out and tested our social network ideas, we have one concept where women really love to have a place where they can, in a fun way, test themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you know all the magazine quizzes, right. that, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a personality test or whatever. And so we have a section where that will happen. And when we say it's coming from oxygen, this big smile comes on their face. Oh, then they'll know what I like. So that's where you start to see that you are succeeding. Once consumers start telling you, oh, I could see how that could translate, then you know you're on your road. There's always a moment on a fledgling channel when they're going to pop. You know, you could point to FX where, where they just went Everybody knows now, but for a long time, they really struggle. Where are you in that evolution of a channel? Well, I think we're there. There are too many people who are bringing us projects. Tori Spelling. Mm -hmm. We just launched Tori and Dean in Love, which is, you know, hilarious. Broken pregnant. Mm -hmm. She's started started an inn. She's not that broke, but she didn't get as much as she thought she was. She didn't get as much as she, but in her mind, she's broken pregnant. And, you know, it's filled with – it's very sweet. Mm. But they came to us because of Campus Ladies and because of the fact that we stuck by Campus Ladies when, you know, it didn't get the greatest ratings in the world. Mm -hmm. And because we've been brave, A-level talent is coming to us. Right. One of the hardest leaps that people make is scripted programming. Are you going to do any scripted stuff or is that down the road or – well, we are doing scripted movies, mm-hmm. which is great. And we do have some pet projects, some pet scripted projects, which we are trying to get um, co-financing from the international marketplace. Right. So you'll see scripted stuff from us. You know, we try to have a really diverse plate of programming. On Sunday, we premiered Who Cares About Girls right. mm-hmm. with Lisa Ling, right. fantastic young journalist mm-hmm. who is passionate about – doing a compendium of stories about things that are happening around the world to young girls, which honestly we as Americans in our comfortable living rooms don't spend time thinking about. And Mm -hmm. maybe we see one documentary on an issue. This will be documentaries spanning the globe. Right. So to me it's about a menu Mm -hmm. of stuff. Some of our stuff is just pure fun Mm -hmm. and that is great. And you know what? People come to television for fun. Exactly. They don't come for root canals. Right. They really don't. They don't want to be improved. Right. If they get improved along the way because you've touched their hearts or made them laugh or made them relax, great. 
what do you see in the future? You said you're going to do some shared programming and, and you're going to continue on this wide open menu of things. Is there, is there anything that you don't have right now that well, you've got your eye on? Well, scripted is what, you know, what you've pointed out. Right. And that is definitely something that's interesting. We're working on another animated series, which we think will be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So we have big ambitions. We, you know, we're at that wonderful stage in a cable television uh, life cycle where we're doubling our profit every year. Mm-hmm. Nice. And that's good. I wish the Chronicle could do that. You want to yeah. come You want to come start this play? You want to get hired here and turn this around? <laughs> <laughs> if you have this much fun, yes. Exactly. But I'm thinking maybe this isn't typical. <laughs> no, this is no. We, we hide in our little pod cave and, and, no, and, and we keep management out of it. Jerry, thanks for joining us on this, one of our informational series about people who run television, and you were a real pioneer in it. And congratulations for Oxygen, over 70 million subscribers. Thank you so much for having me. All right.